Welcome to Surf Dudes with Attitude. Hello, uh, this is Pete from New York City. How are you two doing? Oh, doing so well. This is Zach from Nashville and yourself. Oh, good, good. How about you, George? How are you doing? I'm great. This is George Howell from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Wow, three states coming together. Wow. Almost all in the Northeast. Huh? I heard it snowed today. I don't care. We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I do have news for you guys okay i was checking the podcast stats and we are the number one podcast for podcasts about california dreams wow i can't believe it great this we did it (laughs) you did it congratulations and only two episodes i'm very surprised Ah. that nobody has done this before and when i kind of conceived of this idea 10 years ago i was like surely somebody has done this and they didn't. And then every year that I checked, I was like, why isn't somebody doing this? And it's because it's brought us to this moment where we have finally been crowned the the most influential, I want to say, California Dreams inspired podcast um, of, of our generation. And I, I do want to I do want to draw attention to that because I, I do remember when you originally came mm-hmm. up with this concept. Mm-hmm. So listeners. Pete has been meticulously yes. planning this podcast for 10 years now. <laughs> you you just, but it has been 10 years. And I was thinking about this. I, it, had this. I, I, I don't think it's a jest. <laughs> I think it's filling people in on the news, the history. I'd asked a couple friends years ago if they wanted to do this. And I, want, and I remember one looked straight in my eye and he was like, dude, that sounds real dumb. I don't want to devote time to that. <laughs> <laughs> And he's right. He's a very funny guy. And he was, it was, and it didn't really deter me, but I was like, yes, it like, it kind of brought back all the, uh, real time emotions of, of what it takes to kind of keep a podcast going. And, and it wasn't even all that saturated back then when I kind of thought about this, but now, uh, you're literally drowning in podcasts. So if this sets us apart and looks like it already has, you know, it's other, it's, it can only go up from here. You know, I would love to be the most important teen comedy of the 90s that isn't Saved by the Bell demographic podcast. So mm-hmm. we'll get there um, once we get rid of that fucking Degrassi podcast that I think definitely exists. Get out of here, yeah. Degrassi. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Drake making it popular yeah. again. I know that you've been trying to do this for 10 years. Yeah. But I didn't know how many people you had asked before me. Because okay. as soon as I said yes, that was like weeks ago. And you like, you and George were like, slap this together. You're like, all right, when you're done with Halloween, we're doing this now. Yes. you Yes. In this generation. And I'm now learning that of this generation. In this decade. Because the, when I first asked, it was literally about nine years ago. I asked somebody like. And it was just more of a flippant conversation thing when I said, "Hey, yeah. what would you what would you think about this? I have this idea," and and he was he just shot me down. And and I don't know if that deterred me, or it just kind of put it to the back burner. But I I have looked every year to see if anybody was doing, you know, a habitual podcast about this show, and nobody had. But I was more worried that somebody was going to do it with the same angle from a, a music industry angle. So I will say that <laughs> I forgot about it except for the yearly check-ins. And then you were the first person that I thought of and I asked for this. 
But baby, that guy meant nothing to me. You weren't even in my life then. I didn't know you. So please do not get jealous. (laughs) That's true. I was was just a couple years after. You were almost two years old. I can't have a baby on this podcast, you idiot. (laughs) Too late. So yes, this episode, episode number three, Beat of His Own Drum, came out September 26, 1992. And this show still feels like it's finding its footing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. It's only the third third episode, but the I like the second episode felt very different than the, the first episode. Yes, just the overall the dialogue, the interactions, the jokes, like everything was, you know, it, was, it felt different. This third one feels like a third thing, <laughs> but I mean more more closer to the second episode. Yeah, but it's still sort of finding its footing, and it's. It's still, it's also mostly centered around Tony, the drummer. It, it is strange. Yeah, by the, by the, just the third episode, he gets kind of a standalone, you know, showcase of an episode. I mean, yeah. That's... So they pretty quickly were like, yeah, this is going to be the family. Mm-hmm. Nope. It's actually not going to be the family. No. It's going to be about the, the, the brother more than anybody. Nope. Actually, it's going to be just about the band. So now I'm, I'm curious, are they are they going to do one-off episodes kind of with each of the band members? Not to jump ahead. Sure. Well, I'll find out ahead. in due time. But it's setting it up, so. And not to spoil it, but I think just logically they're going to have to because the amount of episodes that American sitcoms will have to churn out and the oh, there's only so many times you can play music at Sharky's or something. So they're going to have to do like these one-off episodes with some family drama or something. Mm-hmm. So, and as we saw, this episode is a perfect example. It's kind of like a nice form that that you will see where there's some kind of conflict and it's kind of uh, interfering with them being in a band. So, so far, yeah. even though they're in school, we haven't seen them go to we haven't seen the school setting. We haven't seen them go to class, even though the last episode was literally days before school starts. All we see in this episode, I think is like locker room, which should be in the school. That might not be something you would know as a homeschooled child, but often these things intermixed. Uh, thank you. I was <laughs> curious what that room was. Like, okay. are they at the local Y? They are at the local Y. Where do they where do they have their football tournaments in high school? I have a lot of like questions about the timeline and and the geographies mm-hmm. that we're going to totally get into. So I'm I'm very excited for that. I was a little worried. Um, I was excited for the episode as I talked about last week, but then as I was watching, I was like, oh shit! Like, how are we going to have any band discussion here? But I'm I'm lucky that they they brought it together. But they they play really fast and loose with uh the passage of time in this show, which I think is definitely going to be a recurring theme that you and I are going to dissect overly critically. Absolutely. So, uh, we start at Sharky's as we pretty much always do. Uh, I think we can already see the shift from the Garrison family to, this is just about the kids. So we're just going to go to their local cafeteria restaurant in between classes. Question mark. Maybe it's a weekend. Again, we don't we don't know. There should be a calendar there that, <laughs> that should be. I would like it if they had a calendar. I'm gonna assume. Let's say it's Sharky's on a Saturday. Okay, but I mean that is 
because is Tony working during Tony is not working during the day. He's supposed to be at school, you know. So weekends. Yeah, a lot of questions, a lot of questions, a lot of questions. But uh, I need I need this to be some kind of twenty four Jack Bauer situation where there there's a running clock, and then yeah. there's there's calendar pages that are falling. If if that is it, because like none of this is making wow. sense, especially as we get further into the episode and like how many games have passed, how many time, how many how long has Tony actually been on this football team? But as they're at Sharkies. Uh, we're just gonna kind of skip ahead. Basically, um, do they have holiday episodes in this show? Yes, but oh, thank goodness! So that's back. gonna help a lot. Hang on, just hang on yourself. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say Sly comes in. And he's like, guess what? This week, Sharkies is available on Saturday. Okay, so at most, we're talking. This is Monday. Oh, he does say that. You're right. That is what throws. A huge stick in the spokes of this whole episode where there is, this is like interstellar. There is eons of time that are passing between Monday and Saturday of this week. Tony is <laughs> becomes a, a football player, goes to multiple practices and games, wins his father's affection, loses his father's affection, fakes an injury, and this is all in the span of five days. I mean, you summed up the episode right there. I didn't mean to, and I don't want to, but it's important. No, but that's true. That's exactly the thing. <laughs> it's like so much happened. Okay. So much happened remember? in less than a week. <laughs> Do you remember? I think it was the first episode we talked about this. There was a There's a specific episode that I remember as a child where one of the subplot one of the b or c plots is that they have to go a thousand days without having an accident and i kept thinking that this was like a berenstain bears uh shazam situation where i was like did i misremember this because like that's over that's like four years that is taking place in one episode and i was like something is wrong and i was like no i have to it, that has to be wrong but now looking at this episode i might be onto something um they're playing with like non-linear timelines here, but God, I gotta, we gotta calm, we gotta calm down. <laughs> what year did Home Alone come out? Nineteen ninety. Because there's a Home Alone reference in this. Okay, nineteen ninety. Okay. Yeah, but it was huge. All right. Home Alone was in the theaters. I for mean, yeah, a, over a year. So was it really? Yeah, yeah. Back then, like wow. Back to the Future was in the theater for like a year and a half. It was crazy. Um. Wow. Anyway, uh, holy shit! I'm sorry. Okay, uh, Sharkies. Tony starts dancing. He has this kind of main character influence. I think he's on the clock, or is he not? I don't know. He's just. I think he's on the clock. Yeah, he's he's they've they are comp he compliment he comes up and he compliments Matt on the new song that uh, it seems like Matt wrote, but he wrote it so that uh, Tony could sing it. And he's like, he's like, hey, great new song. That thing's great. Chill. Uh, the song is called Rain as well, as, as we learn. called Rain. He's like, nobody, I wish I could sing it as well as you did or something like that. Sorry, I have a question. Uh, is Tony a waiter or is he like a food runner? Because if he's just hanging around, dicking around with his bandmates, like there's plenty of tables that are like, yo, like I asked for ketchup and I never got my ketchup. Do you think that's going on? Uh, probably. Okay. Yeah, I mean, in the in episode one, he definitely gets yelled at by the boss. Uh, who's Sharky. like, hey, you're on the clock. Sharky. Mm-hmm. 
Because as somebody that's scared to ask waiters for anything outside of my initial order, I like it. My my heart pains for them that they're not yeah. going to get their condiments and they're just going to have to eat like a dry ass burger. So Tony, take some pride in your work. That's all I'm saying. I feel like Tony. Tony's making up for he's he's filling those condiment bottles. <laughs> he's making sure, you know, he's making sure to kind of like set things right. We see in this scene as well. Kelly gets flowers. Um, the episode has a the theme of her having a secret admirer, which much like last episode of Tony wanted to get his ear pierced. It's a pretty inconsequential subplot and it, and the ending of it is is just kind of goes out with a whimper but we can sort of get into it later okay yeah let's just get into it yeah speaking of overdoing it this flower guy comes back like twice and twice in the episode he's he's I, you never i don't think you maybe didn't watch uh say by the bell enough but say by the bell the max uh which is their version of sharkies of course the Max is named after Max, who owns it, and he's gone pretty much by the third or fourth season or something, but he is a magician that owns this restaurant for children, and he, in the first couple seasons, he definitely comes out as their waiter and does magic tricks for them. You think I'm... I can see your face. You think, you think I'm cool. making it up? <laughs> it seems like something you <laughs> no, would No, I would uh, never... But he's very... Apparently, Max himself was a a big... He was actually a magician at the Magic Castle or whatever, the the thing in L.A. that, like, I don't know, Doogie Howser went to a bunch. I'm paraphrasing, but uh, he was actually a legit magician, and he got this gig on Saved by the Bell. Um, I really do not know why I brought this up. Um, Oh, right. He's super extra. (laughs) Because of this delivery guy. (laughs) So the flower guy... I don't know if they're going to, they were, we're going to see him again because they definitely made a gag where he's just like, he keeps losing his job and he keeps delivering Kelly different things. Yeah. I wish we had seen him a third time. We see him two times. You, you would think, I think there was probably some cutting room floor stuff. I want the Zack Snyder cut of this episode is what I'm, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think the first time I saw him, he was annoying. The second time was like, okay kind of finding his footing and then there was nothing more the third time would have sold would it would have sold it it would have solidified it would have sold it this is this is a solid child joke that we can yeah because he comes in he's like delivery flowers for tiffany Mm -hmm. and he's sneezing the whole time uncontrollably and he's like ever since i got this job i can't stop sneezing and she's like maybe you're allergic to the flowers Mm -hmm. and he's like oh and runs off well, he shows up later with a new job with a new delivery mm-hmm. uh, during practice. Um, he's bad at that job in other ways. Maybe maybe we'll wait till we get to the practice. If the joke is that he's allergic to flowers, the next job that he gets the same day, apparently, uh, he should yeah. be like la- he should be lactose intolerant or something, and he, he like can't oh, be, that'd be, he can't good. be around chocolate. And then the third thing, like yeah. there should be a there should be a prestige, is what I'm saying. There should be a there should be a final hat trick to to end this. But we'll, we'll absolutely never, we'll, we'll never get it. Um, anyway. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we went through that subplot. We'll tell you who the secret admirer is because it's it's this is like an Agatha Christie uh, novel right here. Yeah, we'll 
we'll get to it when it comes around. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Sly is <laughs> Sly is very excited. As we discussed earlier, he has he has procured them a slot that weekend at Sharky's. So not Sharky's. He said he had to convince Sharky to to. He's like, finally, I got it. Like, yeah, that sounds like black. That's insane. If there's nothing booked that week, I think any owner would be like, yes, please, like take it. You know, it's open, and we're gonna lose business otherwise. So well, but he's gonna pay him one hundred and fifty smackaroonies. Did you mean three hundred and twenty dollars and nineteen cents in today's money, Zach? Because I think he did. Because that's I think that's what I meant. Not a bad gig. Okay, especially if you're on tour. That's not a bad gig. For yeah. for that, that short notice, it's not great, not terrible, but for back then, a bunch of high school kids with, with no overhead. Yeah. Great. And honestly, for a local show, I don't know how New York is, but Nashville, for a local show, a size like Sharky's, mm-hmm. that's, that's better than you're going to get even yep. now yep. at our age. Like, it's there's not a lot of money in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, restaurants are a little different. Yes. Uh, restaurants and bars where it's more are are better paying. So I I'm I have less experience with that than the and the like original music independent bands uh, arena. I would say that's a bit standard. Probably like three to four hundred dollars for like a a few hours of background ancillary music for restaurants around here. Um. I've played a few. My friends, that's their kind of bread and butter. But if you're talking like a venue aspect, which I think Sharky's is pretending to be. Yes. The amount of time it would take to to bring that amount of people out. And if it's a guaranteed show, does that mean it's a door deal after a certain amount? Does that mean there's a cover charge? A lot of times if it's a guaranteed show and there's like a built-in crowd, then it will be a free show and you're just providing the entertainment. Other times... You have to pay a production cost, and then you will start getting paid like eighty percent after a dollar or something like that. So mm-hmm. we're not really told the ins and outs of this. Just that Sly was able to get one hundred fifty dollars, and you know what? Best manager ever at, up to this point. All right, we we have seen he has gotten he has pushed them to be in a battle of bands, which they won. He got them a five hundred dollar first gig, and now he's gotten them a hundred and fifty dollar short notice gig for a weekend. Not bad. Okay, he might be smarmy, but he he gets shit done. Not bad. Um, after that, Tony is very excited. Um, he runs to the locker room or the local YMCA, as as if it's easier for Zach to understand that. Um, it's fine. I'll adapt. <laughs> Tony's dad, I guess, is shown to be the football coach. Um, he's wearing a, a sweatshirt of the Pacific Coast Highway for some reason. PCH. Thank you. That's a geography joke. Uh-huh. He asked Tony, he's like, did you see the game? So my question is, based on what Sly has said, when he said Sharky's is available this Saturday, that would make it at the very earliest Sunday. Because you wouldn't say, if it was Saturday that day, you wouldn't say this Saturday. You would say next Saturday, right? Right? Yes. I think so. Right. Okay. Yes. So I think they're hanging out on a Sunday at Sharky's. The Lord's Day, keeping it holy. Right. So Tony goes to school on a Sunday, and I guess I've never heard of high school games playing on um, Sunday, but 
we can ask the judges on that. We'll see. When do high school games play? Is it like Friday? It's usually Friday Night Lights. Yes. It's like the movie Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. But for high school. Or the TV show Friday Night Lights, sure. It's like the, is it a TV, it's a TV show okay. called Friday Night Lights. So Tony has not seen the game because he's at Sharky's, which his dad should know. But l- let's say we're on Sunday, I guess. I'm always working at Sharky's, dad. He tells his dad, I want, I have a show on, on Saturday. I'm really excited. You should come out. And dad's like, no. Your band is stupid. It takes up time. It's going nowhere. Yeah. And he said he's he's sorry, but he's going to be scouting for the next game. Which I was thinking, okay, if they play on this day, if they play on Sunday, then they're going to have a bye week, which means you don't play that week. But as we see later in the episode, Tony definitely plays a game or something, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not practice. Tony leaves in a huff. Um, his dad really wants him to join the football team. He's not even making it. He's not even being subtle about it, is he, Zach? He's just like, you need to, you know, how about having a worthwhile hobby? Which is very silly because, like, the, the the half-life of a, a football player is, like, you know, three years or something at best, and, like, they get concussed and they get there's so many injuries and stuff, but he's really worried about Tony getting into, a, like, having a scholarship and getting into college. Yeah, he mentions the scholarship thing, which yeah. which would have been, you know, maybe more of an opportunity than music to get into for scholarship for schooling. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, so we're it's like a it's like a ticket. Yeah. Ticket to to more. I guess it's also a very obvious way to to bond with your father cuz like, hey, he's a football coach. He likes football. Do what your dad wants you to do. And Tony's all like, I don't want your life. And that's and that's what we get, you know. This is yeah. Years before Varsity Blues. But anyway, we jump to the garage. Uh, shitty brother Dennis is back, Zach. And he's he's playing drums. He's back. And he sucks at drums. He's fucking awful. He's not good at drumming. No. Um, I, I can't really defend Dennis. Uh, I don't want to say any more, <laughs> but I want to say in this episode, I've been I've been sort of Team Dennis as a as a little brother my myself and one. Yeah, uh, you know this character trope gets a lot of shit mm-hmm. and gets written to be the all uh, the obnoxious one. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's a little brother. There's not many good child actors in this era. Um, and he's I maybe it's it's but. Do you know who that is though? That's Ryan O'Neal. Like that he became like a heartthrob in the 90s. Um in the, like the late 90s. Like he was actually a legit actor. I think he's doing his best with uh the material that's given to him basically. So he's sitting on the drums, he's playing. So Dennis is trying to start a band and he asked Tiffany to join his band. Uh I did have a question for you Zach at this point. Um yeah. Tiffany says she can't be in a band with shitty Dennis because she's already in a band. She's already in a band. That's, that's a crazy amount of loyalty at that point. Um, but as we know, there's so many, there's so many band sluts out there that are just in so many different projects. Big time. Were you in more than one band in, in, in high school at the same time? Uh, no, I was not. Mm, yeah, me neither. 
was it just like a timing thing? Like you didn't have enough time to be in more than one band or was it like, I think so. Yeah. I mean, cause there's school and gas is so much more expensive when you are either barely working or not working. When your parents are driving you around. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we can only practice once a month. You think I got time to do two bands? Did you notice what Tiffany was wearing in this, in this scene? I did. Uh, not a wetsuit. She wasn't surfing today. Not a wetsuit. And her hair, she was totally dry. Um, she was wearing a, she was wearing a top that was the same print as a bandana. Yes, so it was a top that was supposed to look like a bandana. And I had I was like, okay, that's cool. It's cool. What color is it? So I, I consulted the hanky code, and it looks like a red, mm-hmm. dark red. Do you know what the hanky code is? Do our listeners know? I know about. Code? Oh yeah, I know the hanky code. Well, do you want to know what she was wearing? Why don't you? Why don't you tell us all? <laughs> so normally the hanky code, depending on what color, is like what you're into sexually, and where you wear it also has something to do with your left or right pocket. But this is not a pocket; it's top a top. And bottom. So, well, so that's top. So if it's mm-hmm. you know if it's giver and receiver, typically left and right pockets for sure. Uh, so. But it's but she's wearing it as a top. That would imply mm-hmm. the giver. So okay, in that case. I wasn't sure if it was classic red or dark red, but in this scenario, it does not matter because classic red means you're into fisting and darker red means you're into double fisting. So kind of the same thing. So how, (laughs) well, (laughs) it is, and it it is very different in, uh, execution, (laughs) but I mean, good for her being sexually progressive and just putting that out in the world. She's like, I like fisting, but now I like double fisting. Depending on, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm darkening. This I like that paisley. you did. You put your dukes up, like, like for about a fisticuffs, just to show us. Yeah. Um. Yeah. As they are in the garage, <laughs> fisticuffs. <laughs> you look like the Claw Man from a freak show. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's easier entry. Uh, as we are here speaking, speaking of getting fisted, the delivery guy shows up and, uh, basically like now, now Tiff is wondering like, who is doing this? Somebody's paying for this because I guess there's some kind of credit card receipt or something. And did you think at any point in this episode that the secret admirer was actually the weird delivery guy? (laughs) You know what? I feel like I... I really gave in to the mystery on this one. And I was just like, <laughs> I'm not even going to guess because nobody, nobody in the episode seemed like they were the ones, but mm-hmm. there was no hints at it. I didn't get it at this moment. It it actually took me until the, the, the next scene that I was like, we, yeah, I, I put it together later. Like I, I'm really smart. I put it together like like it's some kind Good of night Shyamalan <laughs> twist that I put together. But at this point, I had forgotten who it was. Well, have we said who it was yet? Uh, we have not. Okay. No. Because this scene at practice where she's wearing her fisting top. <laughs> yeah, that's what it forever will be known as. So anyway, Tony comes in. Says I gotta quit the band. I'm joining the football team. Um, and it's kind of shitty. Even though I hate Dennis so much, but it is shitty that like 
they don't even i was like are they gonna ask dennis to be in their band because he's literally sitting there on the drums and like oh we got to find another drummer and then there's like somebody sitting at the drum kit but i'm really glad they didn't because that would be even for this show that would be ridiculous so um i think it'd have been awesome and then um basically we see the dad they're they're trying to console tony being like oh your your dad is you know your dad's just being a dad, but he, he deep down he loves you and stuff. And then we see the Garrison dad come in wearing the most dad outfit I've ever fucking seen. I know. I know they're like, it's fine. My dad, like, our dad always tells us to knock it off as well. Yeah. He's very <laughs> proud of them. And they're like, shut up, dad. We're trying to make a point here. Oh. Um, and then that is when Tony quits the band. Um, yeah. And just want to say, uh, a drummer quitting, huge big surprise never happened to me before ever yeah they are no nope. usually the most reliable people i've ever worked with big time 100 percent. they're usually the most level-headed people um they don't stretch themselves too thin they always know their material um yep oh it's just i wish i could have two drummers <laughs> I mean, I don't know why you need one because both of them are just so solid on their own. That's true. Uh, well, you saying stretched thin was like, yeah, because yeah, drummers are are always in multiple projects because mm-hmm. everybody needs a drummer and few people play drums. And I would say second to that would be uh, bass players. So this goes back <laughs> to the question. I think, you know, she said, hey, Dennis, I'm not going to be in your band because I'm already in one. That yeah. might have been a nice way of saying I'm not going to be in your band. Yeah. No, thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a bass player, uh, I think should should be filling in on bass pretty quickly with other bands. Yeah. I mean, um, Matt will probably not have any time for any other bands. No, he's because he's the songwriter and, here. And writer and the songwriter. And, right. Yeah, uh, but I mean, drums can. They can Jenny's go. got a side project for sure. Yeah, Jenny. Just I don't like Jenny. I I got to be honest. And Ooh. I remember growing up, I had a crush on her the most because I liked brunettes and she had a short hair and she was a little feisty. You know, she wasn't all saccharine like Kelly Packard. But now rewatching the show, I'm like, ugh, like your sarcasm just comes off as smarmy. It's not it's not endearing or anything. And I don't know if she'll ever have an arc to when she like kind of softens up. And, you know, I don't think she doesn't seem like she gives a shit about the band. She never is like involved with band decisions. She just kind of shows up. She, she's got some pipes. You can definitely sing. But yeah, when it comes to this stuff, she doesn't seem all that upset that Tony has left the band. It's like, it's like of no consequence to her. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to, like Kelly more. I think I liked her more in episode one. You mean Jenny? Uh, sorry, yeah, Jenny. Uh, in episode one, she has gotten uh, worse. Yeah, her personality is more <laughs> off-putting um, as time goes on. Just like everything she says is like a jab. It's yeah. It's like yo, calm down. We're like the band is literally in crisis right now. Like we have, we have lost. Yeah, we have been kneecapped. We have lost a limb of this body, and and you just want to yell at Sly or something. So, and now to be fair, Sly is the worst, and like has also has pretty pretty openly said some very aggressive things to everyone. 
uh, mm-hmm. and he's he's pretty misogynistic in his language in general. Sure. Uh, Tony's not much better, or has you know throughout this. I think they're they're supposed to be like teenage horn dogs of the '90s, but you're right. It, it, For it, sure, it could be a bit problematic. <laughs> All we're getting is Kelly's uh, reactions, Jenny, to stuff. Jenny's reaction. I'm gonna uh, no no no. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> I just watched this show today. Speaking of Sly, uh, we we go to Sharky's, and um, Sly is basically like you know people are bumming out that Tony's out in the band, and Sly's like. I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, okay, whatever, fine, good guy, but he quit the band. We have to focus on finding another drummer for this show. And I'm sitting there feeling vindicated. And I'm like, yo, he's right. Sly is right in this scenario. He's like, we can we can mourn and bereave ourselves later. We need to focus. We 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 I don't know what kind of contract they signed with Sharky and, and they can't get out of this gig, but they have to focus on finding somebody else. And I, I've definitely been there where it's like somebody has bailed right before a big show or something or a big tour. And it's like, we can sit here and get upset about her or we can like figure out how to figure, you know, like solve this problem. I don't know if that resonated with you at all, but it definitely did with me. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I think almost every time I think maybe every time that I have, gotten a new drummer Mm -hmm. there has already been a show booked so it has been it or multiple shows so like it it happened you know between shows yes there is an exodus um and there is a scramble that happens of like here's our debt like we got to get this stuff together right now the the two members of my band currently that uh my cellist has been with us for five years and my drummer with us for two over two something I can't count. Uh, both within five days of a tour that they had to jump on. So and then wow, that's awesome. Our drummer Danny came on to a show we did at City Winery with a day and a half notice and learned an entire set. So you just you do it, and there's some shows that you just can't bail on because you will look bad. Um, or yeah. you don't want, you don't want to burn that bridge, or you just because you just you want to shed the skin and you know it's gonna. You're like, this show, maybe not a lot of people are going to be at that show and it's a perfect practice show, or maybe it's such a huge show that you definitely can't bail on it. So either way, you rip that Band-Aid off, you find somebody. So I did find it odd in this scene how Tony came back and Tony's just like chilling with them. And like, that would feel awkward to me if if our, if my, my drummer and my friend, like, you know, our, our comrade, because it sounds like Tony's a songwriter too. Like he's, he's, he's helping write songs. He's singing, like he's an integral part of the band. He's not just like a a guy who does the beat. I think this is evidence of that. They are, uh, friends first and they decided to start this band as friends. Like they were friends and they all wanted to start this band. So they're still friends. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was awkward, but I was happy to see that they were still hanging out. Mm Mm-hmm. Honestly. Uh, well, I mean, I found it awkward because Tony's wearing a midriff and nobody's bringing it up. Okay. I mean, uh, <laughs> this is, this is again, this is again, the, uh, you're critiquing the, the choices. No, no. It's this hundred percent me being jealous that I do not have the body to pull off that look. That's all. Look, he's got, he's got you the can belly wear whatever for you want to be good for him. No, I can't. Yes, you can. If somebody bought me a California dream shirt, 
I would yeah. cut it off and wear it as a midriff for Patreon content. I would do that because this show is giving me confidence that I can do whatever I want. And you really should. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and other people should get you this California Dreams t-shirt. I, yeah, we got some fun stuff brewing behind the scenes. Uh, George and I have been ransacking eBay for all California Dreams memorabilia. So we're, we're excited to That's amazing. surprise you with it, Zach. There's some stuff that, I'm, unfortunately, you're going to have to unbox for us. But What? This is exciting. Do I get to wear it? And is any of it a midriff? Anyway, well, we go to the kitchen where Matt's sleeveless once again. Just going to tally that up. And they talk sure. about how their drum auditions have not gone well. So yeah. we are here to believe that Sunday is the game. Monday, Tony quits. This is Tuesday, maybe. Uh, they talked about the drumming auditions going terribly. And I'm really bummed that we didn't get like a montage of bad drummers or something. Yeah, I am too. Especially because the, the one drummer that we do see later, I think, didn't need to be more than an inclusion in a montage. Yeah. Like, they really milked this one bit with this yes. one guy, and they didn't need to. It wasn't good enough for this much screen time. No. Um. So, I guess the whole point of this scene is, is just them to say, like, oh, it's really hard to fill Tony's shoes, but we're going to have to do it. Okay, and again, I like that perseverance that they're they're gonna play the gig. They're you know like the show must go on. Yeah, his dad come. Tony's dad comes in while they're still at Sharky's, just because they get protein oh. shakes. Oh right, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Which no, no, it's okay. But I was, what kind of food does this place sell? <laughs> I told you. I think it's like it's mahi mahi. I think it's seafood. But then also, like, protein shakes. Mm, maybe they have a kombucha corner. Maybe they're, like, ahead of their time. Maybe. This is California, after all. It's true. Uh, it's where yoga was invented, I think, in, in the early 90s. He's like, I'm going to get protein shakes with my dad, and then goes over to the counter with, like, two empty glasses that I guess they're going to fill there, or are they going somewhere else for these protein shakes? But does Tony go behind the counter and make them? Because he works there. Is somebody else making the protein shakes? Is that like, it's my day I off. don't think that midriff is a part of his uh, his work uniform. Well, that's one of the first things they're doing wrong at Sharky's. You want to start getting more people <laughs> in than just kids between second and third period. That's what's going to have to happen. Yeah, I guess we find out in this scene also that the credit cards are being used in this house. So I think then Detective Pete put it together that it was that it was shitty Dennis. That was That's when stuff. you did it. You're like, well, it's not the dad. <laughs> it's not Matt. And it's not Matt or Kelly. Mm-hmm. Jenny. What? <laughs> you, keep getting, you, can't, you can't do it. You can't just name them whatever you want. <laughs> so. Uh, can I? So, but can the, I here, here's the interesting part. It, it's not. I thought that there was going to be another fake out, like maybe it wasn't him. But basically for the rest of the episode, they know that it's Dennis. And then the conclusion of that is that, you know, Kelly says, I'm too old for you, you know, but you're going to break a lot of girls' hearts and you'll be fine, kid. And he's like, okay. And then there's no, like, you know, he doesn't fight it. He's just like, all right, 
no bigs, you know, can I have a kiss? Which, you know, that took some guts. <laughs> yeah, he was super chill about it. He was. Um, overall. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. I guess maybe I, I, I have blocked that out cause I just, I don't, I only care just about the music stuff and I'm just so upset with the drummer shit. quitting the band. So yeah, you got really dramatic there and you're like, <laughs> I get it. Dennis has a crush. It's fine. Uh, Who gives a shit? And then the, this credit card situation also that, yeah. Uh, fastest <laughs> George said the fastest mailed credit card bill in history that's true. True, and this also adds to the weird time, weird timeline that that exists in this world. True, true. That yeah, it somehow so much can happen in a week, including mail arriving mm-hmm. after like the next day after yeah. something is billed. Yeah, because if you, I don't, I don't think I ever stole my parents' credit card, but I mean, maybe it, maybe it happened once, but I knew I at least had like a good thirty days. To like come up with some kind of alibi in case I got caught. So that sounds like you definitely did steal your parents' credit card. I definitely took my parents' credit card one time and I used it okay. to call a psychic on a telephone line. I know that for a fact. And I ended up talking to somebody and I got scared that she was going to call back at some point because I was like, oh no, she must know my number. I'm going to hang up before I got any type type of reading. So. Wow. And I was like, oh, I won't get charged in the first five minutes. So I was basically like, I was on a call with a kidnapper and I was trying to trace the call. And I was like, I, I got to get off by this amount of time. So I don't think I ever told anybody that. And the statute of limitations is up. So mm. did she predict that you'd get in trouble? Uh, she definitely knew that I was young. She could tell by my squeaky voice. Um, that was not. That was not her psychic ability. That was her. <laughs> it's just her <laughs> formal deduction, I think. So yeah, that that was just easy to tell. Um. So anyway, we're in the locker room. Tony has an injury, and I, he's maybe faking it. I, did you know at this point that he was faking it? Uh, no. Uh, not until not until he like his dad's like, oh, you're injured. Hey, don't worry. It's a sprain. Here's a little sling. Not after his dad leaves and he like takes the sling off and tosses it and tosses his helmet upset. Mm -hmm. There's no real repercussion here because like his dad's like, it's okay that you're injured. It means that you're a football player and you tried. So he's like, even if you, yeah, and I'm proud, even if you're benched the whole season and you have a career ending, uh, injury, uh, it's it's still cool because you tried and you're not some dumb musician. So I took, I felt. Yeah, I think it's yes about the scholarship, but also I think it's the dumb musician part. Sure. Okay. So scholarships are extremely difficult to get and take a lot of effort and practice and years. And, and like Tony joins a football team that week, the fucking Nepo baby is just allowed to like jump on the team. Mm-hmm. And his dad's expecting him to get like a scholarship by like the end of the year. But this is California dreams time. So we don't know how much is elapsing as of now. So that's true. Uh, we jump to the, the garage and we, we do, we do see our new drummer who looks like a Bobo Anthony Kiedis. Uh His name is Sheldon. Yep. And I guess the whole joke is that he's like heavy metal dude. And he's very dumb, which it, it, it extraordinarily dumb 
he doesn't know his own name, which is a very this is like a new level of of dumb, I think. And yeah, it's definitely old lazy white guy writing. I guess him and Tony trade off on their intros of of their new song Rain. And Tony is Tony Tony's walking into this rehearsal, which is weird because he already quit the band. We don't know if it was thirty six hours ago or three weeks ago. But he's coming in. And he's very upset that uh, the band is playing his song without him. I had some thoughts on that. Yep. And I'm like, what choice do we have? Matt writes like a, a five second song or something consisting of A, B minor, E, and then back to A, where he's just making a little joke. Uh, I learned that song just for you guys. I'll play it on the well done. show. Thank you. I can't wait. Uh, Jenny comes in with a Home Alone joke here, but it's not really okay. a joke. She comes in saying that Dennis is upstairs practicing his Home Alone, and then she does the smacking her hands on the cheek thing. I guess she's saying that he's he's getting ready for her, like he's putting on aftershave for her because he's really... Into, is that it? Yeah, I think that was the implication. He's just shaving. I don't, I don't like that. It's... You know, it didn't work for me. <laughs> joke. It didn't. <laughs> No. This is this is two years after um Home Alone has come out. Like people are sick of the Kevin McAllister thing here yet. Tony is in here. It's I think it's awkward that he's there. He, and he's kind of I don't know, berating this drummer, his new drummer right in front of him, and they both trade off barbs and then they both do the intro, which we see later is not the intro to this song whatsoever. Um but they just do kind of <laughs> boom ch- that kind of thing and then they do like a fill they're both actually playing the drums they both seem like they're you know yeah amateur but competent uh i they both sound pretty good to me i think sheldon would be fine sheldon also looks like he's like 30 years old uh i i guess he's supposed to yeah. be a high schooler as well uh we i don't know uh, to see him again yeah. so but tony is upset but he's he basically he has come in here to say that him and his dad are going to see a movie together I don't know why you would yeah. come to your friend's place and be like, hey, I'm not staying. I'm going to see a movie with my father because he loves hey, me now. just wanted to let you guys know, my dad's <laughs> super proud of me, and so you're not the only one with a proud dad, and uh, now I'm going to go watch a movie with him in the movie theater. Okay, so what movie do you think they want to go see, Zach? I have a couple options here. <laughs> okay. Okay. The, yeah, so the- I don't know what what came out in between September and November. Well, when this was coming out too. You I mean obviously this was filmed before September 26th is when it revealed. But when you're watching something it's, you know, when you watch a Christmas or Thanksgiving episode, it's supposed to take place at Christmas or Thanksgiving. So we have to assume that that is the timeline that we're working with, all right? So Yes. I got 10 movies that came out here in September of 1992, all right? right. Um, I will it's tell you the ones that I remember. <laughs> Um, I mean, I've one of these is one of my favorite movies. The movie Sneakers came out, which I love. Um, or School Ties, The Last of the Mohicans, Glen Gary, Glen Ross, Mister Saturday Night, um, of Mice and Men, and Hellraiser Three: Hell on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> it was in Hellraiser Three. I thought they went to see. <laughs> out of those movies. I think it. I haven't say, heard of half of those movies. Oh, really? To be honest. Well, I would say Sneakers is genuinely a great, it's a great film. 
Robert Redford. Do you think his dad would want to see sneakers? Uh, great question. I was going to say out of out of, out of the ones I listed, I think he would want to go see Last of the Mohicans. Uh, I could see that. Because School Ties was a big... It, th- that had a ton of people. That was a stacked cast. Um, but I think I think his dad would have rather seen Rudy or something like that, which is, you know, generally around the same time. I mean, for sure, that's a football movie. I think Glenn, Derry, Glenn Ross is, is... That would be a choice. It's based on a play, and it says, fuck... A lot, so probably not. Sure, so Last of the Mohicans. It was a history movie. His dad probably thought it was, you know, an action film. In in actuality, it's a very long, slow movie. So, um, so now that we've established that they're going to see the Last of the Mohicans, which is a long movie, um, I guess you know Tony Tony leaves in a huff. I guess, right? Do you think is Sneakers is an action comedy, bro? <laughs> That sneakers, yes, it's an action comedy. No, you don't think he no went to see I, sneakers? Uh, okay, that's actually a really good question because, like, this I knew that movie because of my dad. It's a total dad movie, but like, I love that's it. what it's to this like. day. I love it. Like all these actors are like actors that dads love. They're actors, yeah, for sure. That feels like it's got Sidney Poitier, which Sydney Poitier. Poitier, which, uh, sorry. I don't think they would have seen School Ties. It's too anti-Semitic. I don't think so. Yeah, definitely not that one. No, his dad's like sports. Oh, it's Sneakers has James Earl Jones. I'm not just, look, I know, I know that I'm only, I'm only mentioning the black actors in this movie. Tony's dad is black. River Phoenix. It's got Dan Aykroyd. It's got David Strathern. It's such a good. It's such a good movie. It's my go-to when I'm not feeling good about myself, which is so embarrassing to say out loud. Uh, and yeah, we'll do a sneakers watch party for Patreon. It'll be free because I literally just want everybody to go see this film. Anyway, okay, also well, it, it introduced me to Chopin as well. There's there's a scene where there's a girl playing Chopin on the piano, and it's like my favorite Chopin piece. This is this is such a stupid conversation. I got to get out of this, guys. You got to let me leave, okay? <laughs> right before we leave the scene in the garage, Tony's like, "You're gonna really replace me with this this ratty haired whatever he calls him," and I'm like, "This man, this new drummer Sheldon has a beautiful head of hair. He's got great. Hair. I could smell how good his hair came." Through the Absolutely. Screen. It was like beautiful surfer hair, but not like sun bleached or anything. Like he took care of it. That guy's like a fucking underwear model. So yeah. doesn't make any sense. Um Wow. Um Okay. So I don't know. <laughs> they go to they go to see the last of the Mohicans, alright, and then they're they're up in Tony's room. I think they saw sneakers. Okay. I fucking wish. If they would have saw sneakers, they definitely would have talked about it because it's that good. So the whole next scene wouldn't have happened. So I'm going to say they're kind of bummed out because they saw The Last of the Mohicans and it was kind of boring. You know, they're like, that Daniel Day-Lewis, good performance, but fuck, that was a slog. Um, yeah. Speaking of not a slog, Tony's room, so colorful. It's just like his entire uh, outfit uh, persona. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's block, dark colors. It's great. It's great. Props to them. There's a Boys in the Hood poster, right? 
Um, mm-hmm. Did you notice? There's a Janet Jackson poster. Great. There's also a stop sign in there. Did you read what that stop sign said? No. It said, are you listening? <laughs> it said, stop apartheid right below it. I'm not, <laughs> I swear to God, it says stop apartheid. Nice. <laughs> well, I don't. Yeah. Wow. I don't. That's just, that's super political for a show. You know, obviously they don't mention it, but like it's right there. It's not yeah. front and center, but you have to see it in kind of two different frames. But it says stop apartheid. Wow. So I'm two years old uh, during this time. So it's. Uh, well, it's well, what not... were you doing to help stop apartheid, Zach? Were you when doing I was two years old? You? Were you doing your part? I didn't even have a poster. I'm ashamed to say. I didn't even have that much. I know. Well, he's. It looks like he stole a, a stop sign and then spray painted it. So that is DIY mentality. Good on. Wait, him. he spray painted apartheid below, like below stop. He yeah. stole a stop sign and then he wrote himself apartheid. Yes. Do you think he got it at like a like a an art show or like a fundraiser or a like you know like a, a an art protest event do you think he got it no, there i mean if anybody's putting thought into what this set looks like i think they're they're trying to showcase tony as a, a not just a a sheldon basically he he's like a well-informed mm-hmm. young african-american student that is like aware of social issues so i think him he probably got it at you know, there was probably like a student protest or something like that, and he probably brought it. So yeah, and it kind of shows you're a little badass. You're stealing stop signs, spray painting, you know, but you're doing it for a good cause. So mm. good job, Tony. Tony's fessing up that he is not actually injured to his father, and he, but his father thinks that Tony wants to learn about the be- birds and the bees. There was a line that he said he's like, "Trust me, I know about the birds and the bees." Are we supposed to surmise from that that Tony's like fucking? Like he's getting down and dirty, or does that mean that he doesn't want an awkward conversation to take place? What do you think? I think the former. Tony's fucking. Tony yeah. gets down. Tony, I think so. Tony goes to the town town in the fuck truck. Got it. Yeah, I think we. I think we could have surmised that from the get go. Just like his his dancing earlier in the in the episode was definitely a mating call. To attract the hot famales all around, right? This is true. Where are we supposed to be? How many days have passed here? I know this is probably a moot point right now, but has has this been three days since Tony has quit the band, joined the team, gotten an injury, faked an injury? I, what what has happened? So his dad is taking this really rough. That like, yo, you you lied to me. You you don't care about football. And you just want to join your stupid band. That's like a one, two, three punch. Yeah. So he's upset. And I guess this means that he's able to rejoin California dreams. Question mark. Um, so. Because we jumped to Sharkies and there's no Sheldon whatsoever. We don't know. No. I would have really liked the scene where they let Sheldon go because you could have had another joke here where it was like, he didn't understand. And you know, he didn't even know he was joining another band. It, it literally could have been anything. 
So, yeah. Um, uh, again, because this is a last minute show, there's no opening band. So California Dreams did not get any local support. So I guess they're headlining. Do you know how long they're playing, Zach? One band for the whole night? What are we talking about here? I mean, I'm going to say that the type of show is more of a show, more of a concert. Mm -hmm. So it's more of like a regular set than it would be like a dinner entertainment. So I think, I think it's on the, it's on the like 45 minutes to an hour side of things. That is so, that, well, what time would they start then? One band? We got, we got one band. This children's restaurant. How late can this possibly be open? Eleven. They start at seven. They <laughs> they go to seven to seven forty five. That's the main act for a Saturday night. Uh, maybe eight. Maybe oh. they start at eight. Okay, so eight to nine. Yeah, this is a sad ass turnout for a Saturday. I gotta, I gotta admit, I've definitely played shows like this. This is not a good turnout. They did not get a lot of extras for this scene. No, it is not good. Maybe that's like really realistic. The the amount of time that they had to actually like promote this show. And how much were they promoting it knowing that they were having a fill-in drummer and they weren't super excited about it? You know, like I've definitely had those shows where it's like, we're going to play the gig, we're going to honor it. But like, it's, it's, I don't have a ton of confidence in this. So I'm going to like, slow roll that promotion. Exactly. We'll focus, let the others do a little bit more of the legwork on this one. Mm -hmm. uh, Just to do it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This is also where we have final closure on Tiffany's secret admirer, Dennis. And uh, their father finds out because he asked Tiffany to pay him 50 bucks. Real sly move there, Dennis. Nice. Um, Yep. Anyway, so we see uh, Tony's dad shows up. And I think he's going to give his son's band a shot. We're going to get closure on that one, too. Um, I think so. I hope they're good. I have a lot of questions about their song here. If you want to, if you would like to talk about it first, they're starting their mm-hmm. set with a brand new song. Is this something that you would recommend, Zach? Have you done this before, where you you have a new song? Like barring the fact that this band has not been a band this entire week, or when they would have rehearsed it with Tony. Yeah. Barring all that, is it smart? Is it wise? Um. To start a show with a brand new song. Uh, in general, it's not wise, but I've I've done it, but I think only a couple of times ever. But it's but just you know there are certain songs that you write and you're like, well, this this is like certain songs fit in certain places in a set, no matter what the set looks yeah. like. Some songs will never be good to close the show, will never be good to open the show, and sometimes you write a song. That's, you know, before your show and it's ready to debut and it really is an opener. Mm. And you're like, well, let's go out on a limb. Let's go ahead and go for it. It's rare you write a song knowing it's going to be like an opening banger. Because if you don't have enough time for like proper sound checks, even with line checks, even if they're thorough, they can get fucky and and things can get go wrong. Usually that first song is there to kind of test uh, levels. And just to kind of get your footing and make sure you can hear everybody. So unless they all have like in-ear monitors and everything sounds fucking great. Yes. A new song without without a sound check prior that day is a uh, is real risky. Also though, 
I will say in this situation, their situation, debuting a brand new song with a new lead singer and sort of a departure from their typical genre is a terrible idea. Like this is this is like two thirds of the way into the set when everybody's really warmed up and you go, hey, check this out. This is also something that we do. And then you can, for those who you might have like lost, you can always bring them back with like the last quarter of your set. It's like, hey, here's the rest of what you expected to come and see. Uh, we have a song called Conclave that like it opens up our brand new album. And I remember when we first wrote it, it it's it's a fucking banger. And it, it does sound like a good opening song because it's very different from what we do. But we found we found out kind of quickly that like is a terrible song to start the set with. Like it's awesome mm. and it gathers people's attention and it gets them to look at the stage. But it's so reliant on like effects and and levels being just perfect and and it's just terrible. And I remember I had a drummer who was adamant about starting the set with it. We did it and it was one of our biggest shows ever at Bowery Ballroom and it was just fucking hot garbage. Mm. So our first song fucking blew it. And when you blow your first song. Your chi is all messed up for the rest of the set. It's such an uphill, uphill, just mud. And even if it's a fucking banger and it's awesome, like that first song, people are in the bathroom, they're outside smoking, they have, they're, they're getting there late. Like, you're not even going to have a full crowd. So you debut that new yeah. song that's fucking awesome, like right in the middle of your set when you fucking captured them. I've only debuted new songs hmm. when we're like headlining and know that we can risk that mm-hmm. when it's like there's been a sound check and there's festival of ghouls I've, we've opened with with brand new stuff mm-hmm. and you know but there's tons of preparations there's tons of sound check that goes on the day that, before. that's and, a captive audience as zach's talking about this show that he throws every year that's just it's it's an amazingly well-crafted choreographed show but it's because it has weeks of rehearsals and even with all that, things can go wrong. So you you don't leave a lot to chance. But in that case, like everybody's there, you're the main act. They're definitely there to see it. They know your stuff. So like a new song to hit them makes sense. Something like this, especially when you had like a lineup change the whole that same week. Yeah, this is a weird weird thing to do. Daring, may I say? But very brave. Also, that like high school uh, um, decisions that you yeah. <laughs> you make. Like you said earlier, there's a new singer in this, yeah, which is Tony, which begs the question, Zach, who the who the fuck is drumming during this song? Because as we listen to the song, rain, we definitely hear drums. Are they samples on the keyboard? Is that what we're? Th- they sound like electric drums. So the whole I think we're we're sampling. Okay, but the whole idea is that like, no, you can't play. That's my song. That is my drum part. And he's not even playing drums to it. It's the, <laughs> the, the intro. They could have kept Sheldon. They could have. He could have just sat there and not done anything. And it would have got the thing. He would have got it right. I, I honestly thought Tony was going to be playing and singing into a microphone, you know, a la Phil Genesis or three doors down uh, during this, this song. But no, I we see him do some dancing. Yeah, but we're kind of robbed of a live performance when we see this insane music video. Full on video. We saw uh, an entire music video with the full band and this song "Rain." Tony is, of course, the you know the the focal point of this, and I get it. But 
you know who's kind of like stealing that thunder for some reason? There's a, there's a fucking ventriloquist dummy that is pervasive. Two ventriloquist dummies <laughs> throughout this entire song. It's amazing. It's a fever dream. It is what it is. Yeah, I kind of love this video. Um, it's so it has this this kind of new jack swing feel to it, uh, genre wise. A way that I like to think of it is how these songs exist in like TV world mm-hmm. and how they might exist outside of that. Like, could these songs exist on the radio? No, during that same time. I don't think so. And so far, a lot of their songs are no. Like they're they're fun and they're they're good for like TV land songs. Um, this one's not like giant single selling a bunch of records. But like I could have, I could have hear, heard this on the radio during this time. Like cutting room floor of a mill, uh, like a Millie Vanilli album. Yeah, or not Millie Vanilli, like the new Millie Vanilli. Like after they got caught, you know, the, <laughs> you hated it. I did not like this song. <laughs> no, but you did not like the song. I did see them play this live a couple weeks ago. <gasps> we talking about on Patreon. So, uh. so that is that's worth Patreon alone. I got insider knowledge, trivia, and I'm at the cast. Uh, but yeah, they, this was Tony's big moment. And as I was watching it, I did not remember this one at all. And I had, did not know that it was for such er, like from so early on in the series. There's a weather forecast in the chorus of this song, which I guess makes sense because it's called Rain. But we also have, called rain. in the video, we have a ping pong table, interpretive dancers. There's modern furniture and lamps. And then umbrellas. Yeah. Again, umbrellas might be the only thing that makes sense. Uh, well, because of the rain. There's two ventriloquist dummies that full on kissing, deep, deep French kissing in this. French. It's this needs to be seen to be believed. If if you're following along and not watching these episodes, you're doing yourself a disservice. All these episodes yeah. are on YouTube exclusively. It's it's something. And I guess they, they're trying to break things up on just not showing us a, a live performance, but they're showing us a music video. I think this video is pretty strong. Yeah. You and do. I like the song. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do. Uh, it's just real weird. No, I agree. And uh, the ventriloquist dummies are not, not what I was expecting. But they play it so straight that, like, at first, I was sort of like, oh, okay, that's that's unique um, for this. And then I forgot that it was off. Like, that it was odd to have ventriloquists in this video. They just played it straight, and it was just like, oh, no, now that makes sense. You sold it. And, like, I, yeah, I uh, my partner's a puppeteer. I have uh, There are puppets all over our house. So um, I'm desensitized by puppets in general. So that might have been partly my ease of like I got I just I saw this I was like puppet ah oh. Mr. Marbles curious in this to to now like oh no this is just a character in this music video this this makes perfect sense to me but it's like they just they just looked in the prop department and they're like grab this grab that ping pong table ventriloquist dummy how about that goofy lamp done. It's, it seems like an afternoon at best for recording this. You know, sometimes um, you make do when you're making music videos. You just uh, find things around the house and you throw them, throw them together in a room. 
I would love to bring on like a, an actual uh, music video director on an episode and really dissect some of their decisions on this show. And but uh, that's that's for later. We're gonna we're gonna see. Um, so they do their song, and then um, they immediately get off stage because that's what California Dreams is known for: the one song concert. Um, Sly does make mention of it. He's saying, Hey, we got to get back to the show kind of thing, but mm-hmm. it's enough time after one set. And what, what an incredibly flexible audience that, uh, they came here on such short notice. They probably paid money at the door and they heard one song and then we're going to give the band a little break so they can recalibrate with their father. So good, good on them. Yeah. And that's, and that's it. That's, that's, I think that's the end of the episode where we see Tony and his dad kind of, come to terms and compromise and you know know that they they still love each other and they're, just, they're not always going to see eye to eye and stuff uh but tony's dad is proud of him which is something that we can all hope for and <laughs> might not all get but whatever but it's fine um that's fine <laughs> there's some arsenio hall whooping after the song is done and then we get and then yeah we're, we're supposed to assume they're going to continue on with their 40 minute concert yeah until you know, because eight o'clock, everything shuts down in California, apparently. And then, yeah, then freeze frame episode over. Um, what did you, what did you think of this episode overall, Zach? We, we went to a lot of different places on this one. We sure did. Um, Mm -hmm. I was a little bored. If I'm being frank, (laughs) um, which part bored you? Um, I think, I don't know, maybe it was the pacing was sort of like, oh, and then we're over here, and then we're over here. Like, it was just like, ah, I get it. Okay. Mm-hmm. He doesn't lie. Oh, he's lying. Like, it just, it it kept sort of uh, yo-yoing a bit. But you, you better lower your bar, sir, because this is the crux of the show, and most teen nbc shows i know time. so like i know you you have to be prepared for this man I, I need you to be in battle in the trenches with me like it's gonna get worse than this oh i believe that like this was actually not a bad episode oh see so this was actually a pretty good episode there's gonna be some like real stinkers one two and three of the episodes we've seen uh how would you rate them okay uh great question i'd say each of them had their own little like lessons and morals yeah um they each peppered in some family drama, some comedy. I would say that the Battle of the Bands one was probably my favorite because it it was it struck it stuck pretty much closely to music. This one was a little more all over the place, but yeah. I thought this one still was like fun and it had some stuff to talk about and it did delve into subjects even you know maybe accidentally that are important to musicians as far as like you being in too many projects stretching yourself too thin like parental expectations of you and like you know the futility of being a musician and not getting paid anything like that that sucks and i i think you know it, it's obviously you know bumper sticker kind of a solution where you know, we can all work out and everything's going to be okay. And that's not the case, but for a 22 minute show for children, just did it pretty well. So, but if I had to pick a favorite, I'd watch the battle of the bands because fuck Bradley and the billionaires, you know? Yeah. It was good to see their smeared in their own shit. Come up and yeah. Um, 
yeah so i'm excited for the next one i'm excited to keep doing this with you we're gonna we're gonna see where it takes us there's a double date situation going on sly might steal some money from sharky so we're gonna work what all right that's wild yeah we're gonna we're gonna let sly come into his own but anyway this is um it's been surf dudes with attitude i don't think i said the name of the show so far this is surf dudes with attitude Thank you for listening. This is Pete signing off from New York City. Thanks for thanks for listening. This is Zach, another surf dude, and also I got attitude, baby. <laughs> and I'm the producer George Howell. This show was written, produced, and hosted by Zach Fable. Written, produced, hosted, and audio engineered by Pete Rains. And written, produced, and hosted. Well, not really hosted, but uh, also attended by myself, George Howell. Stay tuned for the after show if you're a Patreon member where we will talk about Hanky Code, juggling extracurricular activities with band life and secret admirers. And sneakers, hopefully, right? And sneakers, definitely sneakers. (laughs) Thank you for listening.